Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. Get a free 30-day free trial at www.gofreshbooks.com slash holybackward. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 68th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage here, man. Being sick is a humongous bitch. I mean, I, yo, you know how hard it is for me to stay quiet. I didn't talk at all today. I'm just saving it all for this podcast. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping I can sound somewhat normal, but I, I'm ready to talk Blazers and basketball in general. I'm, I'm hyped. I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's a little strange. Usually we're both really healthy uh, coming into these episodes. You mentioned we delayed this podcast like a couple of days. Your sinuses are messed up. Um, I ate something today. It's got me just got some some gas pains, to be completely honest, guys. Um, I got some Tums in me. I'm drinking a LaCroix. Hopefully those bubbles can help get me through this episode. But the show must go on. Damn right, man. I'm just excited, bro. I mean... I'm ready to get this popping. Uh, I mean, there's some there's some basketball to talk about, which you know, for a good week, it was basically a whack Friday night, a whack Saturday night, a fucking really bad Sunday night All Star game. I did enjoy Anthony Davis getting the All Star MVP, but it was still one of the most boring and stupid games I've ever seen. I just enjoyed seeing my guy. I didn't even watch it. Um, I was coming home from from Albany. And I just made the effort that I was not made actually not the effort. I made like a conscious decision that I was not going to watch the all-star game. One, there was no blazers in the game and two, everything, all the highlights are on social media Yeah. at night though. I I was like, okay, I'm not tired. NBA TV was playing a replay. So I I really watched a quarter of it. I couldn't believe how bad the level of basketball and the lack of effort there was. I understand there's a risk in playing basketball and injuries can happen, but let's just not even play the game. Let's come up with something else because that was worse than any Pro Bowl I have ever seen in my life. And I feel bad for the people who actually spent money on that game. Um, I know a lot of people probably got gifted tickets, but there were still paying fans that went to the game. Everybody who tuned into the game, uh, that's not what the NBA is about. That's not the NBA product. And I know the announcers were trying to make a, uh, not a joke, but make it seem like it was a cool accomplishment that one team might score 200 points in a game. Uh, that's a huge reach. And I know Adam Silver deep down probably wasn't super thrilled uh, with the outcome because All-Star Saturday Night was a complete shit show. Uh, the dunk contest took a, a few steps back after Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon revived it these past two years. Uh, horrible dunk contest. Really a lackluster three-point shootout. With I, some, I, all right, bro. Like... I was at a Chinese New Year event, like Medford had a Chinese, oh, Jacksonville, excuse me, I should say it right. Jacksonville had a uh, Chinese New Year event that day, Saturday of All-Star Weekend. So we were at a dinner, like wrapping it up, all that shit. I I made an effort. I'm not watching this three-point contest. I don't want Eric Gordon to fucking win. I hate Eric Gordon. He's legitimately my least favorite player ever. And I have a lot of gripes towards a lot of former Pelicans slash Hornets. 
And for some reason, I look at my phone during the dinner, and I see a text from you saying your boy won it. And I had lit- I had a fucking mini panic attack while I was like trying to pitch show ideas to these people at this dinner. I ha- I like I was I, I I lost complete control of like any sort of charm. It was just I can't believe he fucking won this. I can't believe he fucking won. What? Why? How did he win it? And so when I got home, checked the DVR, fast forward right through it I, so I could miss his fucking smug ass face. Uh, that just ruined the night for me. I I was done. After I read that text, I was deflated for the entire dinner. I, I was not feeling it at all. My bad. I thought you'd be watching it. You should, You need to tell me beforehand, don't text. I'm DVRing it. That's what I tell my friends if I have to miss Duck Games or Blazer Games and that, that I have to DVR and I don't want to know the score. Like I give them a heads up in advance. But, okay, don't text me. Don't say shit. I want to watch the game in peace. But on the you other hand, you saved me a lot of heartache. I saved you so much time. That was an atrocious three-point shootout. Uh, CJ did not represent Rip City well at all. Uh, really, for the second straight year, he he really did not shoot as well as he does in games, and that's okay. It's a three-point shootout. The Blazers have never had a three-point champion. Uh, it's no big deal. I just thought CJ would have shot a little bit better, but. Really, nobody shot the ball well. I mean, Kyle Lowry did terrible. What former Blazer Wes Matthews uh, couldn't get it. I was joking with my mom and Olga that, hey, if the three-point contest was able to do step-back threes, Wesley Matthews would be the champion year after year. And Clay Thompson, arguably the greatest shooter on the planet, didn't even get out of the first round. So a lot of things can happen. But, you know, CJ, I said he didn't represent. He always represents Rip City. He's, he's, the, he's the dude. Um but he just had an off shooting night. We still love CJ. I hope he does come back next year. Um, I want to see a Blazer win the three point shootout because that is actually my favorite event at All Star Weekend. Last year's was really legit when you had Curry and Clay going at going at it. I believe Dame and CJ both participated. Um, it was just loaded. JJ Redick was there as well. This field was not as uh, jam packed as uh, 2016, but it was still but still loaded with stars. And you know that was All Star Weekend. Um, it was. I think it's getting a little it's getting very close to running its course. They really need to look at finding ways at infusing some excitement around around that weekend because I remember growing up that was the weekend where you block your calendar and you say I am not doing anything on Friday or Saturday and the Sunday afternoon is the game. I remember being a freshman in high school, and that was the year Vince Carter was going to participate in that dunk contest in Oakland, and there was a Valentine's dance that night. I was not going to that dance. There was no chance in hell you could get me to that dance. I was going to stay at home and watch Vince Carter put on a show, and he did just that. That was the greatest dunk contest that I have seen live, and it rivals probably um, a few in the 80s that we saw with Neek and MJ. Unfortunately, those are few and far between now. The real super athletic superstars don't put themselves out there like, you know, our childhood um, heroes of past used to. It's a, I understand it's a different era, but it's a little frustrating. Um, I heard Aaron Gordon said he's not coming back next year uh, because he put so much thought and effort into it. He didn't want to make that commitment again, which I understand. You do two years, that's fine. But at the same time, the dunk contest has the potential to be something so magical that 
you can remember for the rest of your life, which I did in 2000. I remember the first dunk contest I saw was in Orlando when Cedric Savalos put on the, the blindfold and, and, you know, did that running dunk. Like, those are memories that you have. And um, really, from 2000 to 2016, there have been so many, you know, forgettable dunk contests that it's, it's, it's kind of sad. Uh, so the NBA definitely needs to look into figuring figuring out a way to revitalize All-Star Saturday night and All-Star weekend in general. But um, what do you think there – do you think there is any incentive to, for the All-Star game for the players to actually put forth some effort? I was reading on Twitter like someone was proposing like if they keep it under a certain number, like they would donate money to charity. But I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it is what it is with the – with the game, it, it, it it's going to be shitty. And if it's somewhat close in the last five minutes, then it's sort of legit basketball. But I don't know. It, it, it it's, it's been kind of boring for a while. Like, I, I think the most memorable All-Star game I could think of, like, off top was, like, the 2001 Iverson one. I was just going to say that. I actually have that game still on VHS. Uh Marbury when he was with the Nets, Iverson when he was with the Sixers, put forth a sick comeback. That was such a great all-star game. And Kevin Garnett on Area 21 thinks like the AAU movement is kind of ruining the game. I don't know enough about that to really have an opinion, but it does seem like guys are really buddy-buddy. And maybe that's playing a factor into this all-star game. Uh, where there's just there's no competitive fire in it, and I I understand right now there there's really no reason to be other than just wanting it more. I think I saw a little bit of Giannis. He was trying a bit. Yeah, he, he was trying fired. to play some defense. Um, but my thing is, if you're not gonna try, then just pass your All Star. Like, let's say you're Steph Curry or Demarcus Cousins, and like I really don't want to play this year. Um, I don't really want to show up. Thank you for voting me in, but it's just not for me. Maybe you take a small penalty or whatever, but say, you know, let's let's give it to CJ McCollum. You know, he has he hasn't made. Let's give it to Rudy Gobert. Well, they they, would, they went Carmelo Anthony over Bradley Beal this year too. Like it's like Melo really truly doesn't give a shit. I think Bradley Beal would find it super like validating that he got it, but I, I don't know. It's one of those things that the the NBA. Like, the brain trust of the NBA needs to figure out what to do with it. Because I think All-Star Weekend is super important. To, I mean, just look at the trade that went down during All-Star Weekend. That that week of just no games for NBA teams is super important. Well, the the MVP was Woj. She was breaking trade rumors during the game. Like, nobody gives a fuck about the game when you've got Woj breaking rumors. And before we kind of move on from this topic... The answer is not what Major League Baseball does, where the winner of that game gets home field advantage. That's that's bullshit. It does make the game more entertaining, but at the same time, a guy pitching for the Minnesota Twins against a batter from, you know, the Atlanta Braves with two teams who are completely out of it should not determine home field advantage for teams who actually put forth the put forth the the skill and you know the precision and the W's to get to that point. So there's got to be some happy medium between not giving a fuck and putting home court advantage on the line. But uh, you mentioned the biggest news of the weekend, which was DeMarcus Cousins going to the New Orleans Pelicans, and it happened extremely fast. I thought it was one of those rumors where 
the Kings were doing something smart and link and leaking it. So other teams would obviously outbid that um, pretty ass weak bid. If if you don't mind me saying, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let, let's let's just break it all down. It was a backup shooting guard. Buddy Heald was not the best shooting guard on the Pelicans. Each one more was. Langston Galloway gets DMPs pretty frequently because Drew Holiday's there, each one more, Buddy Heald played. And Tyreek Evans, someone I bitched on this podcast about every time a Tyreek subject comes up. And then the first round pick. I I don't know why the the, 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 the owner of the Kings loves Buddy Heald so much. It seems like he's like one of these casual fans that watches a little bit of College basketball. And saw Buddy he Heald prob- go off. He probably turned in for the Elite Eight game where Buddy Heald torched my Oregon Ducks because that's the best I've seen Buddy Heald ever play. Yep. And then he completely was um, a non-factor in the Final Four. I would be so I think he frustrated. To- I would be at my wit's end if I was a Kings fan. Absolutely. I might even just say, hey, I'm taking a pass on this season, guys. Like I can't deal with this. Ineffectiveness isn't even a word. Maybe it's toxic. Toxic. It's toxic. The, the, the... When you have Vladi Divac, the GM, say, I had a better offer two days ago. Somebody asked me why he said that, and I think it was to put more um, light on the owner. Yeah. To say, hey, this is the guy this guy wanted. Vivek wanted Buddy Healed. I could do nothing else. Yeah. He wanted it. He wanted to make that decision. By all accounts, Cousins was ready to sign that monster deal to stay in Sacramento. Um, it felt like a lose-lose situation for the Kings because everyone knows Cousins is talented, but he does come with baggage. Everyone knows that he wanted to stay there, but they had he never loves, made the playoffs. He loves the city of Sacramento. He had never made the playoffs in seven years. Mm-hmm. So it felt like a lose-lose. Um I loved it from the Pelican side. Oh, Obviously, it's not working right now. Um, they're 0-2 since the trade, but it's something you have to take a risk on, whether you lose him in 2018 or not. Uh, Buddy Hield was never the answer. I know no. you liked him. I was really never sold on him coming out of the draft. And that pick, it could be decent if the Pelicans don't get their shit together, my friend. Um, the Kings but are still, gonna fuck up. They're gonna. They have this obsession with becoming the Warriors. So, I mean, they, they pick Nick Scousis. They pick all these players that have this one attribute that they love in Gold State of shooting. I mean, didn't he say that Buddy Heald was like a Steph Curry type of player, but he's big like Clay Thompson? They're going to fuck this pick up. For me as a Belgian fan, I don't really give a shit that we make the playoffs or not. Playoffs are great, but it's about having Drew Holiday, uh, Boogie Cousins, and AD learn to play with each other. I think that's the most important thing. And I, I'm going to bet 80-20 DeMarcus Cousins re-signs with New Orleans because he lost out on $30 million. That $30 million he got from signing the big extension with Sacramento, never coming back. Is he really going to take away $80 million to sign with someone else? Ah, that seems like way too much money to give up. It's too early in the process. Oh, absolutely. It's really, two games. But yeah. It, it's two games. If I am a Pelican fan, like like you are, I want to make the playoffs at all costs. I think this relationship has to get off to a fantastic start, especially with somebody like Cousins, who does 
his mood on the court fluctuates. He can go from zero to a hundred real quick. Oh yeah, I saw. It. He gets like, I think the Dallas game should have been a New Orleans victory, but holy shit, the refs just did not pay attention to like dirty plays that that Tuesian did dude did like all the time. He picked up six fouls quick, but it should have been ten fouls the way he was just bullet just dirty hitting uh, Boogie Cousins. But 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 either way, you. You have to make the playoffs if you're the Pelicans. The teams ahead of you are the Kings with without Cousins and Rudy Gay for the year. But they have the, the Jekyll and Hyde Blazers and the Never Nuggets. If you can't fight back from they were down, I believe, one or one and a half games after the All-Star break. If you cannot cover that deficit with the best two big men in the entire NBA, that is a huge red flag. Well, because that that's you still have 20, 25 games to go in the season. If you can't make up that ground, that says a lot to me about Anthony Davis, about Alvin Gentry, about DeMarcus Cousins, and the Pelicans, because there is no reason that combo should not work to at least pass the Blazers, Kings, and Nuggets. Well, you talk about the the, the talent that the Pelicans have. Pretty much, it should be the Grizzlies. The, The scheme they run should be pretty Grizzlies, pretty close to the Grizzlies. I don't think Alvin Gentry, after playing 30 years of really quick ball, ball is going to be able to change. So I think really what they need to do is get Lionel Hollins. Have him, yeah. Lionel Hollins would be perfect. I All think, I'm saying, though, is just for everyone in New Orleans who wants to see this team succeed, it it has to work. If it's not this year, they need to get rid of Gentry and, like you said, get a Lionel Hollins and make it click because if you're not in the playoffs come the All-Star break or the trade deadline next year oh he's gone exactly and you're definitely not going to be able to recoup any value so i love the risk <laughs> and i love I mean, the reward him for little value <laughs> exactly so it was a very high high reward low risk mm-hmm. but it should work and if it doesn't then do you kind of look at anthony davis and demarcus cousins as players who put up stats but just can't win and i don't i think they're fantastic players and i wouldn't want that to be their legacy because They've been in the league a combined, what, five, seven, maybe 12, 12 10, 12 years. They played a total of four playoff games. Mm -hmm. They are too good not to play in the postseason. The game is better when they're on TV and they're um, in the limelight. So I want to see them get get a push for the playoffs because I think a 1-8 matchup with the Warriors and Pelicans would be fantastic. But it's it's like fitting together two Wilt Chamberlain. The usage rate for AD and Boogie. The only comparison that really is is Wilt Chamberlain. So trying to fit those two aspects into a team, it's going to take more than two games. But besides the Pelicans, who do you think the biggest winners in the trade deadline were? I think Toronto had a fantastic deadline. They gave up very little to get Serge Ibaka. And P.J. Tucker. They see the Cavs. They're a little wounded right now. They're not playing super great. Uh, Kevin Love is out for probably a few more weeks. The Cavs are obviously the gold standard out east, but then you've got the Wizards, you've got the Hawks behind them, and then you have the Celtics. The Raptors had lost 11 of 16 and were really close to not even having first round home court advantage. For a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals last year, that's a pretty big, pretty big shock and a pretty big disappointment. So I love the fact that they went out, 
they gave up a late first round pick in Terrence Ross for Serge Ibaka, who they might have the chance at re-signing because he loves their general manager and that could be a great relationship they built. And they've always been a good power forward away from being great. But you mentioned it. P.J. Tucker really put it over the top. They got a vet who can play great perimeter defense and they only had to give up two second round picks for him. I, I think the more defenders you can throw at LeBron, the better. Obviously, nobody is stopping the best player in the league, but you can make life difficult for him. I think B.J. Tucker is the type of dude who will at least slow him yeah. down because he is—he's not—he is not a pushover in any sense of the word. He make—he's one of the few defenders that makes Anthony Davis' life miserable. He makes a lot of wing to post players' lives miserable. So having him on the the Toronto Raptors is pretty huge. I also really like what the Mavericks did. I think they stole Nerlens Noel from the Philadelphia 76ers. When I saw that trade come through, I was on the mountain and I was like, they gave up a first round pick. Like I couldn't find the protection. And all I was like top 18 protected. And if it doesn't get delivered this year, which it will not, it turns into two second round picks. So Philly essentially gave away the opportunity to re-sign Noel, who was playing great alongside Joel Embiid for two second round picks. If I'm Philly, I'm thinking, why the fuck did we get rid of Sam Hinkie when all of his moves are starting to look pretty damn golden right now and you got Brian Colangelo going in there fucking everything up? I hated what the Sixers did. Well, the and they gave up uh, Ursan Eliasova for a second-round pick, too. Yep. And, dude, Ursan Eliasova on a, uh, a last-year-of-contract deal? That is good money. <laughs> Who else did you think was a winner? Huh. Well, I mean, I think New Orleans and Toronto were the two biggest. Um, what about Boston? That seems to be the talk of really the entire NBA. Were yeah. they getting Paul George? Were they getting Jimmy Butler? Were they getting DeMarcus Cousins? How many picks would they put on the table? We really don't know. I'm of the thought in mind that they did the right thing. By keeping those picks, even with Jimmy Butler or Paul George, they were not getting past the Cavaliers. If push comes to shove, I think it probably goes six or seven. I I think they're still a few. I think they're more than a few parts away. The, the ability, the the ability to get a top four pick in this amazing draft, and then have their their pick in 2018 when. A lot of people are already saying the top of the 2018 draft. It's not as deep as this year's, but the top of it could be even better. Damn. I just think, with like we've mentioned on this podcast before, with Durant going to Golden State and LeBron owning the Eastern Conference, you need to kind of be patient. I know you signed Al Horford. I know you got Isaiah Thomas in his prime. But if you can hit on these picks, you're going to be set up for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I think that was smart by Danny Ainge to just play, play, the, long, play the long game. Um, I would have been tempted to do it for Paul George. I think no, because I think he is. Of... I think he is destined to leave for Los Angeles in 2018. I think that's going to happen. Damn! Did you see Denver try to put like the fucking super offer of super offers for him? I don't know what Denver's doing outside of Jokic. Who can they offer? Gallo, I guess. Nah. They. They're Moutier's values, you know, <laughs> in the toilet. Jameer Nelson's starting over him, bro, and Jameer Nelson's 150 in dog years. Did you think anybody was a, a loser? Uh, 
I thought Orlando. I mean, when the you Kings. when you look at what they get, you look obviously the Kings, but Orlando, what, they gave up Oladipo and a lottery pick for Ibaka. It obviously didn't work. They got a really poor return on their investment. Um, I did not like what they did, and I mean Orlando really. Or was, I think it was Orlando and the Kings, uh, Philadelphia too. I mean, I mentioned I liked Dallas. I mm. hated what the Sixers did. But if we're talking oh, about Chicago too. What did Chicago do? They traded Taj Gibson and oh, Dougie uh, Oklahoma Buckets City. for yeah, campaign. Cam- and- campaign is not an NBA player. He is going to be out of the league once his rookie deal goes up. I've seen him play plenty of times. He was supposed to be the the Damian Lillard type of mid, to- mid-major super point guard that's going to come in and just come under the radar but just play so well. He's just not strong enough. I don't think he's got a good enough jumper. Um, he dances really well, but... He dances really well with with your star player, so have fun dancing with with Jimmy Butler, starting a new dance there. But I, I I'm not a campaign fan. Uh, I like the fact that Taj Gibson's going to OKC. That makes them extremely That's, tough. That makes them scary because uh, Cantor was is injured for a while, so they got. And you can you can play good... Gibson with either of their hmm. bigs too. Oh yeah, he's very skilled. If if Portland had the money for him, I would love to throw a contract at. Taj, but you probably don't. While they weren't the biggest winner, I have to say the Blazers were a pretty good winner when you look at what they gave up and what they got back in return. Plumley for a, a first and Nurkic. Um, I think that's going to go down as maybe the steal of the trade deadline. Boogie Cousins excludes from the <laughs> conversation because we realistically got a better package than the Kings did. Yeah, I will take it, I will take Nurkic over has, Heel. Yeah. And if the pick, depending on the pick where it falls, I mean, I think it's a, it's a comparable package, and that's pretty fucking crazy when you consider we gave up Mason Plumlee, the Kings gave up Demarcus Cousins. One is a nice niche center, the other is probably the the greatest center in the game today. So kudos to Neil Olshay for doing that. Um, I would be lying if I said I was. Um, I was hoping uh, for some gems. I was, I, I, w- for trades. I was hoping for more trades from Portland. I think they have too many similar players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they need more picks, whether that's to draft all of them or to package them up and really target a guy that Neil Olshay um, wants. I'm just I, this season is a lost cause to me. So then you've got guys like Aminu, Ed Davis, um, maybe even an Alan Crab, who you could look to move for for picks because. The Wizards were looking to move. Uh, by all accounts, the Rockets were. Uh, the Pacers. Now, again, I, I wouldn't move maybe some of our guys for that late of a pick. The Pacers pick, yes, if that was uh, going to happen. So, again, you don't know what the actual deals were, but I was a little disappointed that Neil Olshay didn't make another move to really balance the roster out because just kind of talking Blazers with my coworker, we were looking um, at the game against the Magic, which we'll go into in a bit, and Alan Crabb plays 25 minutes and is taking three shots. Um, that's with Evan Turner sidelined with an injury. We have too many guys who need the ball in the backcourt to be effective. You have Damon CJ, obviously. Turner needs the ball in his hands. And Alan Crabb, his, his, his best skill is shooting the basketball. That, there's not enough time in the game. There's not enough basketballs on the court to go around. I think definitely in the offseason either Turner or Crab has to go because there's you you have other holes to fill. You don't need all of that that talent in, in the backcourt when it's 
not being utilized. And I think that was kind of my biggest frustration about this, almost this entire season. It just feels like too many square pegs in the round holes. Well, just, just think. Our cap situation right now doesn't have CJ's humongous contract going into it. Right now, Alan Crabb is 20% of the cap right this second. Just imagine when CJ comes in, we need to get rid of one of these big money dudes just to have any bit of flexibility. Alan Crabb does not deserve 20% of of, of an inflated salary cap. I I love Alan Crabb, but he is supremely, extremely overpaid. And you go back to the offseason, you can pinpoint a few deals that that Olshay made that were kind of head-scratching at the time. You know, we really tried to spin the Myers-Leonard deal into something that could be positive, that it was a decent contract. It's and, not the worst in the world. And maybe he could u- be, you know, utilized in a trade. Well, I, I'm not going to use this segment to bag on Myers, but the more he plays, I feel like the his value decreases, and that's never a good sign. So if you didn't sign him, there's $10 million off your cap. Um, we know Festus comes off the cap after this year. That was a fine risk to take. But then you look at Evan Turner, by all accounts, the offer even surprised him. We could have had him, I think, probably for a few million less. And when you're you're in luxury tax territory, it's those few million here and there that are the deciding factors between whether you're paying or whether you're not. Yeah. I mean, I th- again, I think I said this a few podcasts ago. I mean, it's been a while, but like everything that he did was right in theory but failed in actuality. But what he did get right at the deadline was acquiring Yusuf Nurkic, who had his second straight strong performance as a trailblazer. Uh, He's not going to get the headlines of the victory in Orlando, a place really Portland has struggled mightily in. I believe their 112-103 victory uh, on Thursday was the first time they had won in the Magic City since 2012. So I don't think Damian Lillard had ever won in that building. CJ McCollum had never won in that building. I don't think Terry Stotts had ever won in that building. So that's a really nice win for a Trailblazer squad who's looking to find their footing. Uh, that puts them at 24-33 and 33 on the season. They're still behind the Kings and the Nuggets for that eighth seed. But uh, they just went nuclear in that fourth quarter. They were down by as many as 14 going into the uh, – excuse me. They were down by as many as 14 throughout the game. But they outscored the Magic 35-18, to 18, and it was vintage Dame. 33 points, over 50% shooting, four triples, five boards, a couple assists, a plus 26. He looked pissed. Uh, he was, there was a part where you just saw the Dame phase. You saw his the, the passion. You saw the explosion, for one. Just, it, that type do you think of game, the All-Star break did him a lot of good, getting that well, ankle the, healed up? Th- that first part of the game, he didn't look too good. There was a lot of like bad layups that were 50-50 rebounds that Nurkic may or may not have gotten. What what surprised me the most about that game was Shabazz Napier. He played some good help defense and scored he 10 points. He needs more minutes. Yep. I, we I, have I, been championing this all year long, Sage. That's another reason why we should have made a move because you take away Crab or Turner, Napier can come in and provide almost exactly the same production. I mean, he, he can get... 10 points on less than, or excuse me, 10 points on more than 50% shooting. Uh, he had seven boards and six assists. He he can find ways to help. This this guy is clutch as shit, too, if anybody watched him lead UConn to the national championship. we got to see if he actually is clutch consistently or just whenever he feels like it. So I, think, I have been impressed with him whenever he's gotten I, I, I think that the experiment of 
CJ and Evan Turner running the offense of the second unit, it ran its course and it, it kind of failed. I think that Shabazz Napier needs to be in that just as a primary ball handler because CJ and Evan Turner, when you break it all down, really aren't playmakers for others. They make plays for themselves. I mean, Evan Turner is best when he's bully balling, small Lou Williams type players. CJ needs the ball and stands to break down the offense, but they needs to be someone who has the responsibility of feeding those players and Alan Crabb. So if Shabazz can do that, he's going to be a very cheap point guard for the next few years because he's still on a rookie skit. Still on his yes, yeah. he's still on his rookie deal. Uh, another player on his rookie deal was Nurk. Uh, how do you, Twelve points. How do you feel about him? I love Nurk. I think we got a steal. That's why I said I think we got a better return than the Kings did. Mm-hmm. Um, in 34 minutes, he shot 50%, 12 points, 12 boards, four on the offensive glass. He filled out the stat sheet too. He had a Mason Plumley like five assists, but what he did that Mason didn't do, three steals, two blocks. Mm-hmm. The guy is hungry. Oh, Mason absolutely. was hungry too, and I'm not going to debate that. But Nurkic sat on the bench in Denver after starting you know, the, the bulk of his career. And he's hungry. You can tell he's ready to prove himself. You can tell he's ready to prove everyone in Denver wrong that he should be playing. And we need kind of just a bully, just a bear, just a beast down low. And I think we finally have that guy probably for the first time since since um, peak Robin Lopez in that 2014 playoff run year. I, I, the one issue I have with him, he does some really bad passes. He tries to fit it into windows that aren't open. Every time that he ha- holds his, the ball in his hands, lifts his ha- uh, arm in the air, and like m- does a like a fake jab step, I know it's a turnover. That is the one thing I have issue with. I mean, if you look at what he did in Denver, his turnover rate was really high. He needs to chill with the fancy passes. There ain't nothing wrong with the nice chest pass. But other than that, I love him, but... The turnover rate kind of scared me. I mean, the first game that we saw, I counted his bad plays and counted his good plays. He was positive in that, but there were still some really bad, careless, lazy passes. And I think over time, the coaches will identify that, and it'll rectify itself. I don't think he's ever going to be Arvidas Sabonis in the post. No, no. But as long as you said, as long as he doesn't try to make something out of nothing, as long as he stays within his skill set, He'll be fine, and he's still a young player, so there's definitely room to grow for him. But that's I think, what I'm I think looking it's de- for. It's decision making because in yeah. the in the game before the deadline, I don't even remember what it was now. Utah, Utah. He ran. He was cutting to the post, interior pass to him, and he just tapped it out to the open shooter. I think it was Crab. Like those type of passes are great, but when he tries to fit it into like. Drew Brees type tight windows, it it doesn't it doesn't work. But yeah, I mean, I love what he provides. I mean, his, the defense. He, I saw him play some perfect pick and roll defense where he helped and then was able con- to contest the layup from Vucevic. So he he really played well. I, I, honestly, for the first half, I thought he was our at least second most consistent player. Yeah, and that's really something that I'm looking forward to watching over these you know last two months of of the season is. How does he fit in? How does he play with Von Lee? Does Von Lee get more time? Uh, how do guys like Napier show up? Uh, I'd love to see more Jake Lehman. I want to see the guys who haven't had a chance Quarterman. to prove themselves get get some time, get some meaningful minutes because 
everyone who knows I, who listens to the podcast, I could care less if, if we make the playoffs or not. That has it'd be a that, damper that, for our, but I, I think. But if, we want to see what we have for next year I, because we're still young as shit. We still have a lot of talent. We just need to kind of tinker just a little bit because you know you move apart here to fill a void there, and all of a sudden you maybe you catch lightning in a bottle like you did did last year because this team one thing they don't lack they don't lack talent nobody's going to question that for whatever reason it just hasn't gone our way this year and I don't think that you necessarily have to blow the entire thing up we, we're going to get an infusion of draft picks coming in June and Olshay will have an entire summer to try to move some pieces around but I, I don't think we're in a dire situation like like the Sacramento Kings you know who or the Brooklyn Nets, who don't hone really any of their picks in a couple years. So, if Layman, Quarterman, Shabazz turn into something like a Jonathan Simmons did for the Spurs, it helps the franchise out so much because it's a cheap contract. You didn't know this talent was there, and you discovered it, so it's another feather in Terry's scouting cap. I think we got to give those young guys, those cheap guys, all the opportunities humanly possible, especially when the games, the 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 ending really doesn't matter. It's you ever do laundry and kind of you know you're folding your your pants and you dig into the pockets and you you know catch a little fiber. Yeah, I found money. Exactly what this is like. Yeah. It's finding money that you didn't know you had. So what what franchise do you think is the most dysfunctional? Oh, the Kings, obviously. More than Phil Jackson? Oh, yeah. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. You cannot go to your star player multiple times, and in in this case, 40 minutes before he's dealt, say to his agent, say to DeMarcus's face, we are not trading you, and then trade him that same night, and then say you had a better deal two days later. And it's not even like the trade you got was a good deal. They failed on every single, like, if you look at every single pain point, F, F, F. Like, they failed all across the board. Um, you know, the Knicks are trying to give them a run for their money, but at the end of the day, that's still New York. They still have their draft picks. They didn't pick swap with the Sixers to get rid of Stauskas and Carl Andrews so they could sign Rajon Rondo. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. The the Kings are just the the worst. Mm-hmm. I feel real bad for the diehard fans because they're not going to be good for a long time. They've already not been good for a long time, but there's there's zero light at the end of that Sacramento tunnel. And I, yeah, I mean, it. it, it I mean, I'm happy Tyreek's back. I guess that they seem pretty happy about that, so that, that's good. I, I really wish they cut. If they cut uh, Langston Galloway, I really would love the Portland Blazers to get him. Portland Trail Blazers to get him because he he could be a Terry guy pretty easily. But all right, before we discuss the the week's upcoming games, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. Time for most entrepreneurs or small business owners, the very thing that always seems to be in short supply. Tons to do and never enough time to get it all done. The good news is our friends over at FreshBooks feel your pain and have created something to help you reclaim some of that precious time. FreshBooks is a super simple invoicing solution that lets you create slick, professional looking invoices in seconds. Oh, and invoices is only the beginning. 
FreshBooks will help you manage your expenses, staying on top of who owes you what, and tracking your time the easiest part of your day. If your business keeps you on the move, not to worry. The FreshBooks mobile app can keep up. You can use your camera on your phone to capture receipts while you watch FreshBooks magically create expense reports for you. If you do have questions, contact the award-winning FreshBooks support team and get the help from real life humans. No phone tree, no, I'll just get back to you. Just helpful service at the drop of a hat. Try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go to www.gofreshbooks.com and enter holy backboard in the how did you hear about us section. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Uh, Dustin and Sage here breaking down the next slate of games starting tomorrow in Toronto. Uh, I was surprised when I looked at the schedule and saw it was a Sunday game in Toronto, and it wasn't at like 10 a.m. in the morning. Those are the mo- those are the biggest bummers because I, I love sleeping in on Sundays, so I'm happy it's a normal. If you can't get up by 10, bro, I, I got, 10's pretty late. Like, even yeah. you who likes to sleep in. Fine, I guess. I mean, you know, I, I sometimes I don't. I, I don't fuck with waking up early, but but I, Toronto is a team that we're, I think we're gonna catch at the wrong time. Even if Kyle Lowry misses another game, uh, Demar Derozan looked sick against Boston on Friday. I believe he had like a career high forty three and really willed that team back. This is a, a team that we talked early. They look built for the playoffs. Like that PJ Tucker, Serge Ibaka, then you add that to Norman Powell, Damari Carroll, Lowry, DeRozan, Corey Joseph, uh, JV down low. They really don't have many weaknesses. So if you're Portland, you already played them tough once this year. It was it was a pretty ugly game, but we had a chance to win. We lost 95-91 the day after Christmas. Um, CJ was the leading scorer with 29. I this think is when we, Dame was out, right? Yes. Yeah. I think we can definitely get buckets against them, but as was the case last year in Toronto when Dame went off, so did DeRozan. I believe DeRozan attempted close to 20 free throws, um, maybe even 25 in that game, and he made every single one of them. The key to this game is to keep DeRozan off the foul line because if Lowry's gone, he's going to be their main focal point on offense, and you have to make him defer to other guys. And if they're beating you, that's just going to be their night. But if you're Terry, I think you can live with PJ Tucker shooting three, Serge Ibaka shooting jumpers. Um, but outside of DeRozan, my X factor's got to be big Jonas Valanciunas down low because it's going to be so fun to watch him and Nurkic just kind of. It's going to be like two Mack trucks colliding. I mean, those are some big boys. I would. I'm was really excited to see how he played against Vuce. Um, from Orlando and and Rudy Gobert in Utah. This is another really good center that he's going to get to prove himself against. So I think Nurk is going to have a big night. Damon and CJ are going to get theirs. But Toronto, they're just a better team. They have way more talent. I mean, They have way more talent. They're playing for a lot more. Mm-hmm. And DeRozan kind of looks like a man on the mission. So I think Toronto's going to win. But Portland is definitely going to put up a fight. But that's what I'm going to look, look for. Uh, who's your X Factor on the Raptors? Since you took Jonas Valanciunas, I think the one guy that's either very hot or very cold is Corey Joseph. He's either extremely involved in the uh, the game plan for the Raptors or not. And I think this is one of the games that Corey Joseph could just go off on. He's a very talented guard, and 
I, I mean, if Lowry's out, he needs to show what he can do. And I think the Blazers really aren't good at defending point guards. They haven't been for a long time. So I think Corey Joseph could be one of those lesser sec- lesser named guys that could go off on us. And is it does this just spell the end for uh, Damari Carroll in Toronto? He is not part of that team. He barely gets any shots up. And he's going to be the reason that – I mean, trading him is going to be the reason that Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka get paid. Do you think he sees the writing on the wall that he might need to take his hustle and flow type of game elsewhere? Even if he does, I think he's the type of player that's going to show out because then he wants other teams to be attracted to him. And also, winning cures a lot of fucking things. If they're really going to make a run at LeBron, they're going to need Damari Carroll. And if Dwayne Casey is any type of coach, he will sit him down and say, we need you. Just because we got Tucker doesn't mean you're irrelevant. We're going to need you to really find your groove because he's another, you know, asset that they can throw at a guy like LeBron that they could potentially put on um, a Jake Crowder or, you know, even an Isaiah Thomas if you want to use him in, in a trapping situation. He can really help take that Raptor team to the next level. So I think he's got a lot of pride. I think Casey's a smart enough coach. They'll figure it out. Toronto, to me, is a very scary team. Um, selfishly, I want the Cavs to come out of the East because I want them to beat the Warriors, and I think they have the best chance at doing so. But do you think this Houston is the, has a chance? I think yeah. Houston. Oh, I, th- I think they totally. No, have. I think the the Rockets are a team that's built for the regular season, but I think that's a, a conversation as we get closer uh, to the postseason. But moving on, Portland ends the four game road trip in Detroit against a Pistons team who made a, a quite a bit of noise on on Twitter during the trade deadline, fielding offers for. You know, Caldwell Pope and Andre Drummond, Mark Stein. Did you see the uh, rumors that reported that? Yes, we okay. went out and offered, uh, you know, just to take a call on Drummond to see what it would take. They said McCollum. We hung up. I was talking about this with my coworker Ian, and if they would have thrown in their pick, I, I think you have to do that trade. I would know. I you wouldn't take their no. their their first round pick, which is lottery, and Andre Drummond for CJ McCollum. No. I think see, I, wow. I think Dre has plateaued. Wait, wait, you said you would when we had beers in Southern Oregon. That was like th- two weeks ago. Yeah, but I've watched Dre Drummond since, and no, I wouldn't. I think he's, I, I also thought this when we hung out. He's plateaued offensively, so I don't think he is one of the, you can't have a big three, including him, unless you have, I don't know, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. He's not the, he's not the number two guy that you're thinking he is. He's a number three or number four, but he's getting paid like he's a number one. So I would See, do I it. think I think he's just bummed out. I think he's a grass is greener type of guy. Uh, you look at Julio Okafor, who was rumored to go here or there, not getting any run, puts up 28 and 15 tonight. Uh, there are guys that just need an opportunity in the case of Okafor and in the case of Nurkic, and there are guys who just need to get the fuck out of the current situations. I think Andre Drummond is that who really wants to play with Reggie fucking Jackson as their point guard? Uh, I think people. I think he's going to get moved, and wherever he goes, he is going to ball the fuck out. I am so high on Drummond's potential. So you would have done the CJ for Dre Drummond and the first? If they gave us an, un- an unpredicted first, I would do that. Boogie Cousins, they get traded for an unprotected first. <laughs> top two, top three, protect, <laughs> right. whatever. 
<laughs> but I wouldn't have done it, but that's just me. And I love CJ. CJ is my second favorite blazer, but I think if, and I, again, I think if Portland doesn't figure this out next year with Dame and CJ, if it doesn't work, you're going to have to break up that duo because those are the only two players right now that have any sort of value outside of our draft picks. And as we know, to get value, you have to give up something. And when teams are calling Portland, they're not saying, yeah, I really want Mo Harkless or I really want, you know, um, Alan Crabb. If, if like a Paul George or somebody's like, they're like, hey, what's 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 up with CJ? What's his situation? And it pains me. I love CJ. And when it was working last year, there would have been nothing that would have got me to break up that duo. But at the same time, you have to kind of put your emotions to the side and really put, like you said, your GM hat on and say, is this going to work? Um, I'm not mad that that trade didn't happen. Um, I'm just saying I would really think about it and I would lean towards doing it. Um, but I also I know CJ that... McCollum would go absolute apeshit if he was the guy with the ball in his hands. So I that's would, the thing. I, I you would, know, yeah. you know he's going to do that, but I don't know. They need to prove that it can work. It worked last year. I don't know what the hell is going on with this team for them to fall off so hard this year, but I think they've got one more year because they're both locked up into long-term deals that I think they still are going to have value regardless what happens as a team. But if they, you know, Dame and CJ, that's one reason I would be reluctant to do it because they're so close and I value loyalty um, in, in this in this business. And, and Dame is the franchise. Dame would not want CJ to be moved. So it would take a just huge offer to do that. But with that said, it, you still play for the team on the front of your shirt. Um, and if it doesn't work next year, then I think Neil O'Shea, I know he loves his guys, his guys that he's drafted, his, the guys that he scouted the guys that he's built relationships with, he's going to have to look long and hard at, at breaking up that duo because there are other holes that Portland needs. And to be quite honest, I think if Alan Crabb was starting, he's going to give you 17 a night. It's not going to be CJ's 23. He's going to give you 17. It's I not going to be the all around game, but he will get you points. And I think he'll be a better defender. Mm -hmm. um, he's nowhere near the player of CJ. But if we're thinking of moving something, so you move in Crabb, to, to give you your shooting and, and your, your your length at the two position, and you get something that you need down low. Hmm. I, I mean, it'd be kind of fucked up to get Dre Drummond, and then you just traded for Nurkic too. But that's the going, only thing that would go his shell so quick. That's the only thing that would give me pause is that you did already get Nurk, but again, you do Nurkic, it. You do it if you get a, a star. You just do it. Nurk, yeah, exactly. You can't let Nurkic derail any plans that you have i mean we've only had him for two games yes we love him now but it's been a very small sample size so i just thought it was interesting that the conversations ended there i would have liked to have known a little bit more of what neil would have been willing to offer because when everybody saw cousins get moved for that little but that's uh, like drew Brees going to new orleans bro that shit's net that like that, but, that but you have to think things. about that if you're another gm I don't. I mean, Vivek is just stupid. He loves Buddy Heald. That's, like, it, it's tough for me to say that all GMs are smart, but there's at least 29 relatively confident ones. I, I guess, but every other trade's going to be judged by that, fair or not. Yeah, so but it, I, I think If Jimmy Butler had got moved, it'd be like, oh my god, you completely overpaid for Jimmy Butler. Yeah. That, that's, that it, it's not fair. Be. It's not fair. I'm not saying it is. 
but that's it is, the, so, it's the, the it's the confluence of just events and events and events that led to this happening. It wasn't Dell Dems didn't stack talent like the Celtics or the Nuggets. He's not a better GM because of this trade happening. He's the same fucking GM that has these opportunity biases that he's always had. It was just Vivek being stupid. That was... But back to the game at hand. Um, this was the game that Portland played earlier that got postponed. We ended up losing in two overtimes, 125-124 back on January 8th. If you remember, that's when KCP came off that screen, hit that big three. Mm-hmm. It was the game I should have gone to, too. So I'll really, de- really derailed. A nice run Portland was building at that time. And it was just another heartbreak loss in a heartbreak season. With Reggie Jackson and KCP and Drummond, though, Detroit's really had our number. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching this game, how does Portland defend the pick and roll with a new big? Well, that's one, because Reggie Jackson and Drummond really killed us with that. And two, how does KCP's shot look? Because I didn't realize he was that good of a shooter in Portland during that game when he was pulling up for threes, hitting clutch threes. If he has a shot on, that's going to be a tough matchup for Portland's smaller backcourt. Um, because we already fantastic defender. Without exactly. So if, if he's playing good D, the other Blazer backcourt mate has got to step up, take advantage of Reggie Jackson on that end. Um, outside of that pick and roll, my X factor is Marcus Morris. The Morris brothers always find a way to be a pain in our ass. Um, I think it was Marcus in that game on January 8th who was shooting horrendously. And then all of a sudden, he hit like four or five straight baskets yeah, and really kept them in that game. Yeah, he had some stupid post-ups that went in when they should have rimmed out. But yeah, I think Marcus Morris is a good one. You know, I, I got to go with my boy. I, I got to go Tobias Harris. I think he is an X-Factor. I remember him in the first, I think I think in the first and the third, him doing really well, him putting, making, like filling up the stab sheet. So I think that's another X factor. Um, I don't think we actually did our predictions. I think we lose to Toronto and most likely. I, I did. I predicted a loss. Yeah. Okay. A All close right. loss to Toronto. I think this Detroit game could get ugly though. Ugly for the Blazers. Yeah, we do not play well. We do not match up against this team. Again, it'll be interesting to but see that's how with, Nurk- that's with Plumley. Nurkic could be the 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 guy that just frustrates the shit out of Trey Drummond. It's true. However, it all depends on Stotts' scheme on that pick-and-roll. We could have Absolutely. Bill Russell, and we're still playing that weak-ass pick-and-roll scheme where we don't hedge. Any I thought going to do some hedging in the, in the Orlando game. Uh, yeah, if, if we don't hedge, it's going to be a long night. If we do hedge, it could be closer. I think it really comes down to how does Stotts play that pick-and-roll. Um, can Nurkic keep Drummond off the offensive glass? Drummond is one of the most elite rebounders in the entire NBA, um, and he had a field day on the boards against us back in January. Um, I think Detroit probably wins by 10 or so. I, I, I think it's closer, but I also think Detroit wins. So Portland comes home against the OKC Thunder. It is a TNT game yep. on Thursday, March 2nd. Um, as we mentioned, OKC doesn't have Cantor at the moment after punching um, the chair. He's still sidelined, but they did pick up Doug, Mc, uh, Doug McDermott and Taj Gibson, who I think is a fantastic pickup. Um, OKC is a for team nothing. that is for exactly nothing. You know, OKC is a team that is chasing the Memphis Grizzlies for that sixth seed out west. 
and they are also trying to close in on the Utah Jazz. They are even in a loss column with Memphis, and they are three back of the Jazz for for fifth. So OKC is a team that has a lot to play for. It is a conference, or excuse me, it is a division game. These games have been a little tricky. In February 5th, Portland went to OKC. Westbrook put up 42 and 8. Adams had 13 boards. And they really ran away with that. The close, the, the final score was 105 to 99. Game really wasn't as close as the score indicated. Reverse that. Back in December of, um, excuse me, 2016, the 13th to be exact, we just blew out the Thunder. 114 to 95. Westbrook didn't even play the fourth quarter. I don't think we needed to play Dame or CJ in the fourth quarter. That was a game we were clicking on all cylinders. It ended a four-game losing streak at the time. It was another game. It was another one of those. Oh, the Blazers turned the corner. Eh, sorry about that. Didn't mean, didn't mean, yeah, didn't mean to get your uh, hopes up. Um, but it also showed that Portland, when they want, can beat anybody and they can bear, embarrass anybody. Um, I think they'll be up to play this game. It is on TNT. However, it is the first game back, not only off of a, a road trip, but is it, it's their first home game in nearly three weeks. The last home game was February 13th. So how are they going to react to being at home for the first time and really forever? Um, it could act as kind of like a pseudo road game. This one is a lot tougher to predict. I think a lot of it's going to come down to how does Portland defend Westbrook again? Are you going to let him go off for 42, which you did in OKC, or are you going to implement the defensive strategy they did earlier in the year in December in that in that key victory when you forced everything to the perimeter and you forced um, Robertson and like guys like Sinkler um, to beat you? Hmm. I, I don't see, in your example, the latter happening because Nurkic is very timid about leaving the paint. And I think of pick and rolls, what happened last game was he Westbrook would get ahead of the, the, the Blazer guard, so he was on his back and then just hit 18-footers all game. And I don't see Nurkic being active enough to actually change that. So I could see Westbrook hitting a lot of mid-range jumpers on us. I have a feeling that the Blazers are going to win this game. I don't know why. It's just one of those those weird vibes. Hey, when you have weird vibes, they normally fall through for you. I mean, I was pretty close on the Boston and Atlanta games. Looking back, games we should have won, we really gave away. We play the Thunder well at home. We usually play pretty well on TNT, especially um, in Rip City. I think Dame's going to be ready to go against Russ. I think Nurk just gives us that add dimension. He is a better rebounder than, than Mason Plumley. I think he can help keep Adams off the glass. Yeah, Adams had a good game the, first, the second time. So second chance points and points in the paint are something the Blazers are really going to have to either win or neutralize OKC. But what they really need to do is watch out for Taj Gibson because he has the ability to really win that matchup against a young Vonley or even Aminu if Aminu is healthy and is starting at the four or playing really the majority of the minutes at the four. Um, I'd love to see Von Clay get get some real run against a guy like Gibson. I think he could bully him in the block. But Gibson also has the ability to take his range out and kind of work, um, either use his quickness on, on Von Clay or his, his size on Aminu. 
So I think Gibson, I know he's a new player and he hasn't necessarily had the strongest year in Chicago. Another guy that probably feels revitalized that he's in a good playoff push, uh, playing with arguably the MVP of the NBA. And I think Gibson is going to have a big night, but I think Portland, it might even be a buzzer beater type of shot. It, It feels like Portland's due to hit one of those and it would be nice to do it against the Thunder. I, I think Russ is going for 40. You've almost talked me into thinking that the Blazers will win, but I, th- I still think the Thunder will get the W, uh, but uh, Russ will go off, and I think I think it might be a CJ game. But who else from OKC is going to be? I don't think Russ can do it by himself. Steven Adams, potentially. Taj Gibson. I mean, they just have so many bigs that they can throw at us. Eventually, one is going to abuse us because our post depth is probably one of the worst in the league. That 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 helps Portland. I, I like the Blazers. Um, and then to wrap up this week, at home against the worst team in the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets. If We're not going to really go into too much detail here. You really just have to contain Brooke Lopez. Make everybody else beat Jeremy you. Jeremy Lin's back. This is a game that Portland, they have to have if, if they want to salvage any sort of playoff hopes. You you cannot lose um, to the Brooklyn Nets. We already crushed them by 20 in, in New York back on November 20th. CJ had 33. Myers actually had 11 boards. Um, this could be a, a Myers night. If Myers wants to have a big night, it, it could be against the Nets if he's matched up against Brooke Lopez to spread him out, get him out of the paint. He's he's never going to be known as a rim protector, Brooke Lopez, but he is still a big body. And if he's you can get Myers... It's exactly. Not, it's, if you, it's if you can get like, Myers just to hit a couple of threes, that would really open it up. But again, this is another great matchup. I mean, we've got Jonas Valanciunas, Andre Drummond, Steven Adams, and now Brooke Lopez for Nurkic to really prove himself. So all eyes are going to be on Nurk this week for me. Um... But I would love to see Alan Crabb get loose. It feels like Alan Crabb or Mo Harkless are going to have a big night against the Brooklyn Nets. I think that uh, the Brooklyn has a really quick pace. I mean, it, it is total Golden Warrior, Golden State Warriors fast. Pick up the pace. We're going to outrun you. I mean, it, it's fun to watch them play that style of basketball and lose because if they were just walking it up and losing every game but nine, it would be super boring. So it's not going to be like a snooze fest. It's going to be a pretty entertaining game. What scares me about them a little is their willingness to shoot the three. If they somehow hit a decent percentage, it could be a little scary. But I think that they get the Blazers get this one. Yeah, I think the Blazers get a huge win. Maybe by 15-plus. However, the only way I could see Portland not getting it done is if they just don't show up. And we've seen them do that time and time again this year. Uh, case in point, that Orlando game, we come off victories at Los Angeles versus the the defending champion Cavaliers. We, I think, got down like 18-1, and we could never fight back against the real bad Orlando Magic team. This would be arguably the worst loss in maybe the Terry Stotts era if, if you lose to the Brooklyn Nets. They what about have, Philly last year? No. Nah, that was at least on the road. Okay. I... I whether you want playoffs or lottery, it doesn't matter. I think this would be a real bad sign if you lose to the Brooklyn Nets at home. This is one you probably really need to have to have any respect around the league. Yeah. 
I mean, they did Although, beat nine teams. So, do we have any fan questions, my friend? Uh, I believe Tara asked a question to me about Alan Crabb. It seems like he's not shooting. What is wrong with Alan Crabb? There's nothing wrong with Alan Crabb. We we really discussed this early on in the podcast. Uh, it's the too many cooks in the kitchen scenario. There, there's I think- too many mouths that need to be fed with the basketball, and unfortunately, one of them gets lost in the shuffle. Um, there's just there's one there's not enough minutes there's not enough shots to go around um i don't think terry stotts runs enough plays for allen i think we he needs to be more jj reddick running off of those picks rip hamilton off the curls allen crab is a fucking amazing shooter he's shooting better than he did last year um he's a guy who if he was either starting with the blazers or if he was with the Brooklyn Nets this year, if we didn't match the offer, he'd be putting up big fucking numbers. Every everyone would be like, "Oh, why didn't we match that guy?" Um, it just comes down to not having enough shots go around when you have a shoot first point guard and a shoot first. Obviously, shooting guards are shoot first, but CJ really looks to get his, and Dame should look to get his. They are both um, elite scores in this league who can get shots for themselves. But I think Alan Crabb would thrive more with a point guard like like Chris Paul. That's and exactly not, what I was thinking. And I'm not knocking Dame, and I'm not knocking CJ at all. Those are their playing styles. That's how they play best. It's worked in the past. However, I, I don't know what's gone wrong with this season, but it just, for whatever reason, Crab just hasn't had the opportunities. And I think a lot of it has to do with Evan Turner coming in and him really needing the ball in his hands. Um, you're looking at bigger roles for for Mo Harkless, who has proven his worth um, shooting that three. Um Aminu shoots the ball quite a lot. I mean, he shoots more than I would I would like him to shoot. And, you know, it starts adding up and adding up and adding up. And all of a sudden, you're looking at crap in like three shots against against Orlando. What's going on? I mean, that, that's kind of what happens. There's just there's too many players. There's not enough time. There's not enough shots. Um, that's why I would like to get this figured out sooner rather than later because he is a talented guy. And I think given more opportunity, he would shine. Mm-hmm. I think if he was with Chris Paul then he'd reach his potential. But I don't think with the guards that we happen to have, the stars, they, with Evan Turner, they they just don't look at for him enough. So, yeah, do you have any questions? I don't. That was it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been damn near 10 days since we last recorded a podcast, so it's, it's been good to uh, hang out with you. I feel like this is the first time in damn near five days where I don't feel like absolute death. I mean, this flu, this flu shit that's going around is a bad, it's no joke. I, I, I think I had to pull my Jordan game six out to actually be able to talk and barely sound, uh, sick. I, I can definitely feel it, but like, I don't know. I think, I think it was a good one. I, I'm pretty proud of this episode. I was, you know, I was hoping we would get to do another emergency podcast like oh, we did for, for Nurkic. And, you know, you don't want to do a trade deadline podcast because, it's just such a short shelf life. And if we had made a move on Thursday and we had recorded on Wednesday, no that, boy, that episode no is boy. completely irrelevant. So that's why we're recording on this Saturday instead of our usual Monday. Um, the All-Star Weekend kind of messed everything up. But I think we'll get back into our, our current, our regular routine next week. Um, we got a few games coming up. And, you know, I'm going to be watching for Nurk again, Von Lay. Just, just to watch some basketball. I like, enjoy it. Uh, once it's gone this year, it's gone. It's not coming back till October. And either you 
either you like watching other teams in the NBA or you enjoy watching college basketball because um, the Blazers uh, looks like late April is as late as they're going to be playing this year. So just find the good in the team, find something to watch, really keep an eye out on it, and then see if the team improves over the course of the regular season because just like college football when you have a bowl game, you treat that as your audition, your opening act for the following season. Portland needs to treat these these remaining 20-plus games as an audition for next year. Um, use those as stepping stones, as ways to really grow coming into the 2017 fall. Because we, we mentioned that this team has plenty of talent. There, there's no way we should be on the outside looking into the playoff picture right now. Sure as hell not even fighting for the eighth seed. We all had higher and loftier expectations than that. But it is what it is, and Portland can use this as a learning experience. And I think if you're a Blazer fan, that's what you want to see. We don't want to make the same mistakes we made this year, next year. Um, and the good news is with a couple of tinkerings here and there, everything's really correctable. Yeah, I'd say the one trade that's going to be pretty difficult is Alan Crabb just based on how much money he makes. I think you can move Myers if you really wanted to. I think you can move AC. It's got to be that perfect situation. It's not like a... That, quite, I mean, quite a few teams have some cap space. Uh, 20% of your team, though, bro. That's a big contract. It's not going to be big once once these deals start going. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's going to be the new no, normal. No, it's going to be big. It's, 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 it's a big contract. It's going to be the new normal. Nope, nope, nope. Yep. You wait till you see what guys like Mason Plumley and Erlinson will get on the, the market as restricted free agents next year. Or this offseason. It's going to be huge. It might not be twenty million, but it's going to be eighteen. Like teams are going to overspend. Yeah, but we overspent quickly and shot ourselves in the foot when it comes to flexibility. But what, what flexibility though? I mean, we we've, we've kind of beaten this to death. Free agents don't sign here. Uh, CJ was due for or for a big pay raise. Dame already hit his kicked in, and when you get those super max deals. There is, I, I just don't see any flexibility. Like, there was no way Portland was going to have cap space going into this year unless we compl- didn't sign a single person in. That would have been career just like malpractice for Neil Olshay coming off of a second round <laughs> playoff. Birth. You know, I don't really want to talk about last offseason anymore. We've kind of you know beaten that to death. He did what he had to do. Wouldn't um, it Portland, be funny if he did and we were in a better situation? Eh, that's hindsight. That's 2020. You can't live life like uh, that. Alright, so I'll talk to you uh, next Monday, right? Yes. So if you want to listen to this episode, listen to past episodes, you know, hit that subscribe button. Give us that five-star review on iTunes. You can find us at Holy Backboard PDX. We're also Holy Backboard PDX on Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We're also on social, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and the gram at Holy Backboard Sage. Any final thoughts? Shout out to Michael Gonzalez. He's uh he downloads every week. Um, he and I have played 2K a lot in the last week, and he's really improved. So shout out to him. I am going to start a Blazers franchise in NBA 2K17. Now that all of the deals have been made, we have Nurk. See what we can do. See if I can you know do my best. <laughs> all right, GM impression. Right. I drunkenly tweeted over the weekend. Uh, yo, you were on one, bro. You were you. You were very you, you had a fun time. That, that, I was so pissed we didn't get Willie Cauley signed. He was available way before the deadline. 
rumors that he wanted out of Sacramento. They wanted away from him. First game without Boogie, 29 and 10. I was like, Paul, just make me the damn GM. <laughs> Let's go! Let's go!